Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. It is a major as grand as they come. Two weeks of high-octane, in-your-face madness. This is New York City. I'm super excited to be back here in New York. It's a great city, electric city. Really fun to be at the U.S. Open, being an American. Being in New York, I love it, honestly. It's New York City. You never get bored here, that, that's for sure. This city was born to breed excitement. And this year, the masses come to the U.S. Open to see the greatest tennis tournament in the world. What a moment of showreel type tennis. Oh, a shot. Absolutely incredible. And why wouldn't you get up to a ball? In New York, it is the most electric atmosphere in tennis. I'm looking forward to it. The fans are unbelievable here. Probably the best fans we have in tennis is right here. I feel excited to come out on courts and see how the crowd is going to be this year. It's New York. It's so loud. It's so crazy. I don't even know what to say right now. I'm beyond happy. I'm almost in tears. I can't believe it. Super excited to play my first match here in the US Open again. Let's get it. You're gonna kind of have your chances and you have to be ready to go all in. The tennis world is once again in an empire state of mind. Welcome to TC Live at the US Open. It's been said that London is satisfied and Paris is resigned, but New York is always hopeful. Today, that hope begins for 128 men's and women's singles players. The best in the world won't be satisfied with anything other than conquering the concrete jungle. Big names taking the court on Arthur Ashe Stadium. Returning women's champ Iga Sviantec first up, followed by an All-American match between last year's semifinalist Francis Tiafo and Kalamazoo winner Lerner Tien. Then the night session begins with Coco Goff trying to become the first American teenager to reach back-to-back -back U.S. Open quarterfinals since Serena Williams. And the return of Novak Djokovic playing in New York for the first time since making the final two years ago. Players arriving on site. There's your 2012 champ. Andy Murray made the third round last year. Got those good vibes going in New York City. And how about Maria Sacri coming in as the eighth seed. Made the semifinals here in 2021. Has lost in the first round of the past two majors. So looking to find some confidence in New York. Come on in. Great to have you here with us on TC Live. Steve Weisman, alongside a couple Grand Slam champs. We've got the former world number six, Chanda Rubin. We've got legendary coach Paul Anacone. We've got journalist extraordinaire, John Wertheim. And we are with you every single day for two hours each morning leading up to first ball. Chanda, your first your first time on the couch. It is. Comfy? I am enjoying it, Steve. I want to <laughs> lean back and relax a little bit, but I know, you know, I got to stay a little buttoned up. This is nice. I like the, Comfy, the new right? scenery yeah, here. Cool. That's right. We're, we're, we go four wide for TC Live at the U.S. I Open. I feel like I'm big time now. I feel that I'm ready for it, too. I'm ready for it. big time, Chanda. Come on. I mean, can you believe it's already the U.S. Open? It's amazing. I mean, we always say that the years fly by. My parents told me as you get older, it goes faster. I think I'm starting to believe that, but it's going to be a great two weeks. Feels like our Wimbledon 
post-match wrap. Uh, <laughs> we really had six weeks go by since we last did this at a major, but uh, the tennis calendar rolls on, and so do we. Year's final major. We are ready to go, and the players will be as well in a couple of hours. But before we look forward, we take a peek back at what happened last year on the women's side. Paul Iga Swiatek taking out Aljabur for her first U.S. Open title. Oh boy, this was uh, something special for Iga Swiatek, showing everyone, you know what? I can play on other surfaces than the clay. She was spectacular. All last year continues to learn, get better, and she is one of the most dic uh, dictatorial ground strokers out there. This is going to be fun to watch. What about these odds? She is the odds-on favorite per FanDuel, John. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's more about reputation and defending champ than recent form. But, you know, last year when she won that title, she was about 70%. She, by her own admission, did not play her best tennis. What kind of confidence must that give you? And then look at Coco getting into the number three spot as far as favorites go. That is momentum right there. I, I'd put some Chanda Bucks, some real bucks on Coco and Jesse there on the men's side. Carlos Alcaraz won his first major last year, Chanda, becoming the second teenager to win the men's singles title in the open era. Yeah, I mean, we knew this guy was going to win majors, multiple majors. Didn't know maybe when it might happen, but last year's U.S. Open was a dream run, and he had to go the distance in three of his seven matches. That quarterfinal against Sinner was the incredible match I think, um, of the tournament for Alcaraz, and he continues to be impressive. He certainly does. Because he's not defending any points, Novak Djokovic will replace Alcaraz as number one by winning just his first match in New York. But, John, what do you make of these odds? Uh, that pretty much tracks the rankings. There are two guys who are well ahead of the rest of the field. That's reflected here. Medvedev, of course, has won this title. Sinner coming off that semifinal at Wimbledon at number four. But, yeah, I mean, I think realistically uh, you've, you've got two favorites, and the odds uh, reflects what the fans are talking about. All right. So the big question everyone wants to know, Paul, who is more likely to repeat as champion this year? It hasn't been done in a while on either the men's or women's side, Carlitos or Iga. I'm leaning towards uh, Carlitos, although I don't believe either one of them are my picks. So I'm going to – is that what they call a tease, Steve? Yeah, because predictions are coming up later <laughs> oh, okay, in the show. There we go. So I'll just tease it and leave it like that. All right, what do you think? Paul is a true professional. I'm, I'm learning every day <laughs> how to do this thing. I, I love it. You know, I, I tend to agree. I don't – I think it's going to be tough for um, each of them to repeat, but I'm leaning Carlos Alcaraz as well. You know, I think for Iga Sviantek, it's been a little tougher, a little tougher summer. She's had some losses, maybe some unexpected results, uh, but she's so motivated. So I think that's going to spur her on even more. Um, but I think I'm leaning Alcaraz in terms of the potential to repeat. Mm. I'm hoping for a Djokovic-Alcaraz final, I think, as we all are. Aren't we all? Aren't we all doing that? I think that the nerds would say one player only has to win 14 sets, the other has to win 21. She's got the better odds. But, no, I think... I think Carlos has a real chance. I mean, no male has repeated since Roger Federer 07, 08, and he never won again after that. So it's been 15 years since a male player has come here to defend a title and done it successfully, which is an interesting bit of stats. Yeah, the, the longest – I don't know if this is the worth time stat of the day, but the longest drought of, <laughs> of any, any major on the men's side, and nobody's repeated on the women's side since Serena Williams. So it's been a minute in New York City, a New York minute. Uh, by the way, you've heard of a buzz cut, but what about – the old fuzz cut. Men and women are using the same tennis ball, Paul, this year at the U.S. Open. That's not regular duty. No one knew that I could do this while I was <laughs> out on the side of the court with my challenged uh, hairline. They didn't think I could do C, but look at what I did. That's, that's spectacular. Yeah, that's commitment. Extra right felt. There.
That's, uh, that's, that's, that's extra, extra duty. Yeah. Extra duty. Okay. I need some Heavy extra duty. duty. <laughs> I, need, I need one of you guys to try that style. You wait that's that's going to be the challenge. You wait till you see me tomorrow. Okay. Right. Be careful what New you wish balls, for. please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's how we get off and running. Day one, TC Live at the U.S. Open. So much more still to come here as we take you through the next couple hours. Coco Golf. Coming off the biggest title of her career, our experts tell you if she can get her first major. Plus, they've already played three times this year. Chanda says, we won't afford. Is Alcaraz Djokovic an inevitable showdown? And John goes unstrung on the incredible rise of Tennis Channel's very own Chris Eubanks. TC Live before day one of the U.S. Open. Just getting rolling. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Point, the official racket sports retailer of the ATP Tour. John, Paul, and Steve back on TC Live. A reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and much more. It is available in the App Store and Google Play Store. Time now to go inside the press room with some of the top contenders on the men's side. I wouldn't say, you know, adds a bit more the fact that I haven't played here for two years. It's just um, the feeling is, is pretty much the same. It, there's always, you know, this expectations and excitement and ambition to, to win the title. So that's pretty much the same this year. I'm not uh, focused on the defending champion, the points or, or whatever. I'm just focused on uh, show my best level, try to improve in every practice and uh, let's see how it's gonna how it's gonna be the tournament. Feeling. Uh, Pretty well physically, mentally. Uh, Want to try to play better than I did last couple of weeks. And let's see how it's going to go. All three of those men have won the title before. Let's start with the three-time champ, Novak Djokovic, back after missing last year's tournament, looking to get to major number 24, tying Mark Record. He added two more majors this year. What makes you believe he'll add another, Paul? Oh, because he's Novak. I mean, there's no uh, other way to describe what he's been able to do for so many years. And we know what he can do on a hard court. We saw what he did in Cincinnati. And uh, there's no reason it won't be more. Uh, hot take. I think he's motivated, energized, uh, invigorated by this challenge he's gotten from this 20-year-old, from Carlos Alcaraz. I think, obviously, lost the Wimbledon final. But I think, in the long run, Carlos Alcaraz is a very good development for Novak Djokovic and his motivation. He showed it eight days ago in Cincinnati. And I'm picking him like you, Paul. I think 24 is, uh, is 13 days away. Yeah, I think for most players, it'd be a disadvantage not having played here last year. For Novak Djokovic, you almost feel like makes him fresher, gives him just a little more oomph to his game. And it's unbelievable the physical shape he's been in, how he continues to be motivated to push against matchups against players who are so much younger and then the shirt tear. I mean, that's next level, Steve. Novak you know. <laughs> We've seen him do it in the past. I mean, that, that reaction after that win yeah. was something you see after he wins a major. 
What edge does that match, that one of the best matches we've seen all year, give him potentially as he could play Carlos once again in the final? Well, considering they played three hours and 50 minutes for three sets, if they play the final series, that could be seven and a half hours or eight hours. <laughs> could be. I mean, the most amazing thing to me about Novak is that as great as he is, he doesn't back down from any challenges. And, and you said it, John. I, I think the fact that Carlos is playing such great tennis is great for him. I mean, he, he's not afraid to win. He's not afraid to lose. He loves to prove himself. And with everything he's done, he really doesn't even have to prove himself. But he thrives on that. And that's why these two weeks in New York are going to be really important for him. And that's why he loves it. They, they all love it. And, and the returning champ is Carlos Alcaraz. And he is the youngest number one seed in U.S. Open history, Chanda. He actually says he was a better player than last year, tour leading six titles this season, including Wimbledon where he beat Novak Djokovic. So the question is, how does he handle those expectations defending a major title for the first time in his life? I mean, we heard him in, in that interview. He seems to have the right mindset. Thinking of it as a new tournament, it's not about defending. It's about playing your best tennis on this occasion, in this space, against these different opponents that he's going to face. And I think that's the right formula. He's got a terrific team around him. I think that helps with the experience um, as well. So, you know, he's got an advantage in so many different ways apart from just the physicality of his game and how special he is on court. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he gets things started, but he seems to be rounding into really good form. There were some questions after Wimbledon. He went back, he played on red clay, he played Hopman Cup, maybe shouldn't have done that. Was he going to be a little tired? Is that going to take a little more of a toll? I think where he is right now after that final in Cincy, I think he's got to feel pretty good getting things underway here. Sometimes we talk about the, the pressure of defending. That usually happens when the player hasn't done much since and their ranking is going to go off a cliff if they don't do well. Carlos Alcaraz will be just fine. And I think also the fact that Novak will overtake him at number one no matter what, he doesn't have to worry about that. I, I think he's in a pretty good frame of mind. I just think that Cincinnati result I think really could loom large. Not just the result, but the way it played out. The fact that Novak at the end was a superior player physically. I think that might stick in the head of Alcaraz a little bit. Yeah, I, I look, I, he said the one thing that resonates with me the most. My least favorite term in sports is defending. You know, it, nothing happens if he doesn't win this year. He did not going to take away last year's title. All it's about is accumulation, and I think that's what great players realize. And I think you're right about the, I really think that it was important for Novak to win in a big moment like that, to come through under pressure. I don't think there's scar tissue. I think he's too young for that. But my biggest question for Carlitos is going to be, how does it last over seven matches? I still think he started cramping a little bit at the end of the match with Novak. We saw what happened uh, in Paris. Um, he's growing. He's 20 years of age. There's a lot of stuff going on in his body with metabolism and growth. And how hot is it going to be in New York? And how quickly and efficiently is he going to get through matches? Talent-wise, he is off the charts to me, the most talented player on the planet. Um, so it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Also tougher half of the draw. He could face Yannick Sinner as well as Daniil Medvedev on his side. Novak Djokovic, a little bit easier, you would say, from the top seed to the top-ranked American man. That would be none other than Taylor Fritz. Big spread in Esquire magazine. Got two titles this year, but he has not, John, made it past the third round of a major this season. It hasn't made it past the third round of the Open ever. Why is that going to change? This is a nice chance to salvage his season. I look, Taylor's a realist. Uh, he knows that you make your marks at these majors. He's 4-4 four and four over his last eight matches at majors, but... We know what he can do at hard courts. We know he's a good domestic player. He does well in North America and in the U.S. And 
I think he's, I mean, he's in Novak's quarter, so we, we have to temper expectation a little bit, but I think he definitely gets beyond the third round, which is the best he's done this year in a major. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the mindset. And New York can be a tough tournament. You know, for some players, you either like it or you don't. It can be a complete change in terms of, you know, how your routines are, how you look to, you know, go about your tennis, how do you prepare. Uh, you've got to make some adjustments. I mean, it is truly craziness. Um, but it's a great part of the year. And if you embrace it, and I think Taylor Fritz is looking to do that, I think, you know, this part of his career, having the last couple of seasons that he's had, really growing into playing at the top, um, you know, as the top American and at the top of the sport. I think that's what he's going to embrace, and I think that may be why it could be different this year. And he's got a good first-round match, I think a comfortable first-round match against a familiar foe, a fellow American. Uh, so I think how you start is critical in New York and work your way into the tournament. So I think that can be good for Fritz this year. Playing an American at the U.S. Open has not been good historically for Taylor Fritz. Owen three against fellow Americans, lost to Brandon Holt first round last year. Paul, you're a part of the coaching team for Taylor Fritz. What have you all been working on leading up to this first round match? Well, look, I, I think the most important thing is the mental disposition for all the players, in particular for Taylor at this, his national event. Um, Michael Russell's done an amazing job as a coach. He's a great coach. He understands the mental and the strategic that come into play. Um, we talked about it a lot last week. I got to spend time with Michael and, and Wolf. Wolfgang Oswald's done a great job taking care of Taylor's body. Look at how much Taylor's played this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's played a ton of matches. Um, he's ready to play. I think the fact that he didn't do spectacularly in Canada and Cincinnati is actually a blessing for Taylor Fritz. And the reason he's nine in the world right now, guys, isn't because his top level is good. The reason he's nine in the world is because his average level got better last year. Okay, so he has to trust that in a major and has to know that he can get through whatever the situation is, play within himself and trust the moment and realize, yeah, it's a U.S. Open, but there's a lot of tournaments down the road. If he can gain that perspective and free himself up and trust, he'll do just fine. It's just another major. Just another major. Just just another chance to, to win one of these turns. By the way, Taylor and all the Americans, it's the 20-year anniversary of Andy Roddick, the last American to win a major singles title on the men's side. We'll see if one of them can get it done. We're going to break down the women's field when we come back. The summer of Coco has been heating up. Is the time now for golf's first major title? Our experts let you know when TC Live returns. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Washington. The 
be the best here in Cincinnati. What a summer it's been for Coco Golf. That's right, ladies. It's been a hot Coco summer. Golf has won 11 of her last 12 matches, including two titles. Let's go inside the press room with her and the other top women's contenders. It's been a great couple weeks for me, and just trusting myself. Obviously, you know, I have the new team around me, so seeing a different perspective can sometimes just change things completely. So I think I have a new perspective, and I'm enjoying it a lot. I don't know if it's – I don't feel like any more confident than other times, to be honest. Again, tennis is so week to week. I mean, I won Montreal, and then I got bageled and lost. So I think I go into to looking at it as a new week. Uh, new challenges, new things to try to improve on, new new ways to try and problem solve. That can be hard around a slam when there's a lot of excitement. So I, hopefully I can use that to my advantage. I'm happy that I had time to practice a little bit more and to uh, work on some technical stuff. But I'm really you know happy with my performance in Montreal and Cincinnati. So um, I get more like positive vibes for sure than before last year's tournament. But you know being a defending champion is not easy. So I'm kind of taking it easy and trying to do everything step by step. Let's start our discussion with Coco Goff. She's only lost three sets since Wimbledon. So playing spectacular tennis, obviously got past Iga Sviantek in Cincinnati. Shanda, do you think that singular victory was even more important than raising the trophy for her? I think it was. You know, I think that got her, um, you know, to the trophy and to have that mindset and that belief. But the, you know, the hurdle of Iga Sviantek was huge. And you look at so many draws where, you know, she was in Iga's section or they were meeting in the quarters. Um, and, you know, Grand Slams included Roland Garros last year in the final. This was a huge hurdle for Coco Golf during the week. And once she got over that hurdle, everything else, I think, seemed a little simpler, even though Muhova was playing some ter ter terrific tennis. She's a tricky player, but she's starting to handle these different styles. She's starting to have the mindset uh, golf is in terms of going after shots forehand and backhand. We talked about it during Cincy, where she was looking to run around backhands and hit forehands. You would have never seen uh, that in golf's game, you know, even a year ago. Uh, even, you know, a few months ago. I think that Wimbledon loss, sometimes you have your lowest moments and you don't know when one of your biggest moments is going to be around the corner. That's tennis. I think it's the mindset she has of continuing to pick herself up and be positive, focus on the right things. And again, having a good team around her, adding some people to her coaching box. I think that has helped. But in a short period of time, you've got to give most of, you know, the, the reasons uh, for the results to the player because it was there. It just needed just maybe a little, you know, push, maybe a, saying something in a slightly different way. And I think for golf, everything's coming together at just the right time. Yeah, I, I think one of the hardest thing for a superstar that's that young is to manage kind of plateauing. And, and as great as she is, she's plateaued a little bit. And, and so many people expected so much so quickly from her. I never thought she was playing badly. I never thought she flattened out. I thought it was part of the progression. And for Coco Golf, for me, it's never been um, a matter of if, it's just when. And I think when is now. I mean, she's shown us this summer that she's so capable uh, to do things at the highest level and so competent and confident. And we talk about her forehand. Forehand's fine. She's going to miss some forehands. She's going to make some. She's not changing her forehand. She's not going to go to a continental forehand grip and chip and come in and do crazy. She doesn't need to. She can manage her game, and she's such a great athlete. She is such a great competitor and has so many tools. 
a lot of her mindset and success are going to be tied together, like I said about with Taylor Fritz. I think for Coco, if she can relieve the pressure valve on herself, not what we're saying, just on herself, then she'll hold the trophy up in two weeks. Mm -hmm. She's still a teenager, but a veteran teenager, the oldest of seven teenagers on the women's they're, side. Still their fifth in the, the <laughs> U.S. Open for the fifth time. That's wild, right? Yeah. Uh, first time in two decades we had Americans sweeping Cincinnati and Canada on the women's side. So the doubles partner of Coco Guff, Jesse Pagula, took Montreal. Once again comes to New York, John, as the top-ranked American in the world. What progress have you seen from her over the past year? Yeah, c considerable. I mean, this is sort of the, the anti-Coco. I mean, sort of the, the actuarial tables here are much different. This was a player who, until her mid-20s, was sort of lucky to win a few matches, and now all of a sudden, winning begins winning. We saw her take that Canada title in the final. What we didn't see before that, she beat Iga and she beat Coco. So not only did she win the title, but two really solid wins before that. She comes in, she's the third seed, trying to get to her first major semi. I think in a way, she benefits from all this attention on Coco. I mean, Pagula's the higher-ranked player, but Coco's higher with the Ozbakers, I think that favors Jesse. She's got a couple of tricky matches. She's got Camilla Georgie, who's hot and cold, right off the bat. Svitolina, who made the semis the previous major, she's lurking. But I think Jesse could really do some damage in this event. And uh, again, I mean, she's just become such a lock as a player. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the mindset, the perspective that Pagula has, that has served her well. And, you know, the, the race for her hasn't gone to the, the swiftest, hasn't gone, you know, to, you know, player bursting out of the gates early on. You know, she's had to work for it. She's had to go through injuries. She's, you know, had these different ebbs and flows over the course of her career. So not a lot seems to face her. And I think that helps her in a place like New York, certainly trying to get to her first major semifinal. I think having to have a tough first round match, a match you cannot look pass in Camilla Georgie. They've had some battles um, in the past, and Georgie is always dangerous, especially on hard courts. I think that helps Pagula. It helps you relax just a little more. You just got to get down and play some good tennis from the start and not think about all of the other factors surrounding, especially for an American player. Uh, so I think that helps her, and maybe this can be the year uh, where she can get over that hurdle, but she's definitely got a tough part of the draw. She, she was asked, what's going to get you past the quarterfinal stage at a major? And she joked, uh, winning a quarterfinal match. So I mean, she's got a <laughs> Great disposition right. and a great attitude no, going into wrong. it. No, she, she is 100% right. Uh, both Jesse and Coco have already beaten Igish Fiancek this summer, yet the Polish superstar once again comes in as the top seed, most overall wins this year, four more titles, Paul. But do you think she's a little more vulnerable this year? Look, I think one of the hardest things is uh, for a great player to manage the changes in their career. And you look at these stats and what she's done. It's been pretty spectacular. But remember how red hot she was. She was so dominant. And your question about losing a couple matches this summer, is that going to throw a damper on things for her mentally? I, I think it remains to be seen. One of the things that I'm so impressed with with Fiontech is her lack of fear in big moments. We saw it in Rowan Garros when she was on the brink of losing in the finals. She doesn't back down. She really backs her game extremely well. So for her, a couple of losses shouldn't matter much. But so much is going to be about how she manages it, what her perspective is in terms of internalizing things, and her ability to trust in the big moment. Um, I, I think she's my second favorite behind Coco, but oh, there's no reason really? why she. Yeah. Hey, now you're giving away your pick. All right. Well, I just said I just said in the last segment. Right. In two weeks, if she does what she should do, Coco's <laughs> going to win the title.
But uh, that's why we're here, right? I got to give opinions. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like it. So you're going Coco uh, and then Iga, John. No good. Um, I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about the, the Eagle, Iga's bakery and the breadsticks and the bagels, and she wins these sets. But, you know, she wins a lot of tight sets as well. And in those matches she has won since she – remember, she inherited that number one ranking. I mean, that sort of came almost as a battlefield promotion. Then she's really run with it. And in these last 18 months, yeah, she'll win these matches 0-1, and it's too good, and we all – but she's won some gritty matches too. And I think especially coming off last year's U.S. Open when she didn't play her best and still came away with the title – I think that will fire her with more confidence than the, the knowledge that she can go out there and have these amazing sets. Yeah, and I think, you know, Sviantek, she stepped into that number one role and became so dominant. I think it's helped that she's had some challengers, that she's had some players pushing right behind her. Again, for any player, it's about motivation. It's about, you know, keeping the juices going. And especially when you win so many titles, so many one-sided matches as Sviantek has done, I think you need to be pushed as well. And so maybe that helps her coming into this year's tournament. Tournament, takes a little pressure off. I mean, there's, you know, a few players at the top now that we're looking at favorites. It's not just Fiontech, and I think that's a good thing. The new tennis balls could help her as well, going from regular duty to the right. extra duty. She likes the, the spin that she's able to produce. She won last year with regular duty right. tennis ball. Championship predictions coming up later on TC Live. Plus, as you see, every single morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, the four of us are with you, leading up to live coverage on ESPN at noon Eastern. More TC Live after a quick break. Welcome back. The squads are set. Team Europe and Team World ready to face off in Vancouver, Canada for the 2023 Labor Cup. Don't miss Tennis Channel's exclusive live coverage of the three-day event beginning Friday, September 22nd. Can Team World defend their title? Well, we are leading up to first ball in New York, and USOpen.org is your online home for point-by-point -point live scoring, highlights, real-time stats, and draws. Visit the official tournament site at USOpen.org today. Steve Weissman back here in our studios. Prize money for this year's U.S. Open is a record $65 million. Each singles winner gets a cool three mil, and by just making the main draw, you are guaranteed a payout of $81,500. But you can make more than that. That's right. Don't miss your chance at $100,000. Play Tennis Channel's Racket Bracket and choose the match winners in Flushing Meadows. Win cash prizes, including $50,000 jackpots for picking a perfect men's or women's bracket. Scan this QR code or visit tennis.com slash play to enter. And hurry up. The deadline's Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. For a look at today's forecast in Queens, here's Fox Weather. Hi there, I'm Fox Weather's Kiana Lewis, and here's today's U.S. Open forecast. We're looking at weather in Queens, New York, expecting a lot of cloud coverage and temperatures in the 70s. You can stream Fox Weather on your favorite connected TV device, like Samsung TV Plus Channel 1010, always on and always free. Thank you so much. When we come back, a banks that is too big to fail. We tell the story of Chris Eubanks' rapid rise up the rankings on the other side. Ruben Anico and Worth Ivan Weissman back on TC Live at the U.S. Open. Before taking the court in New York, Chris Eubanks sat backstage on Broadway for a special tour of Hamilton the Musical. 
And like the famous play, Eubanks is not throwing away his shot. And John Wertheim tells us how our fellow colleague is now in the room where it happens. Do you recall how your favorite top men's player ended up his fall season last year? At the Paris Masters event, maybe the ATP Finals in return. Here were Chris Eubanks' last five tour stops in 2022. Seoul, South Korea, Busan, South Korea, then Charlottesville, Knoxville, and Champaign, Illinois. So it goes when your ranking is nearly the same number as your weight, and you are hunting high and low for points trying to crack the top 100. Eubanks was 26 then, trying to make mid-career upgrades while finding his modest finances. And he knew he was close to another level, a few matches here and there. But he was enough of a realist to deploy a plan B, taking his media career as seriously as his tennis career. This has always been something that's intrigued me. I always loved the, the idea of sports media, sports broadcasting. You likely know how the story broke. Unspooling that six foot seven inch frame and cracking the ball, he began to find some success. Winning began winning. In Miami, the run from the qualities to the quarters enabled him to earn his first double-digit ranking. Still, from there, he headed to three challenger events back in Korea, shaving his ranking and entering the top 75. In June, on the grass of Mallorca, he won his first ATP title and breached the perimeter of the top 50. Good morning, Chris. With a quarterfinal run at Wimbledon, he was into the top 30, virtually assured of a seat at the U.S. Open. More than a million dollars wealthier than when he started the year. We've seen spikes and surges before. It's one of the great sights in tennis. A teenager ascending to number one, that's one thing. A player at age 27, after years in the minor leagues, showing an ability to hit big league pitching, cracking the top 30, that's something else entirely. And almost as rare. A late breakthrough like this comes with advantages. Eubanks can appreciate it. He's seen the less glamorous side of the sport. He can also process it all with maturity, avoiding temptations and resetting expectations, balancing confidence with humility, armed with first-hand knowledge of just how thin tennis's margins truly are. He'll keep at it now, play his first major as a seed, his home major, trying, as he puts it, to keep building. Rest assured, he will not be playing in South Korea or on college campuses this fall. Otherwise, who knows where this goes? Big banks will ride the wave. He'll ride it as long as he can. And whatever it does end, well, we'll keep that plan B seat warm. Could not be more happy for Big Banks, Chris Eubanks. By the way, Georgia Tech alum, and he is one of 27 players in singles, men's and women's, that have college ties. Uh, take a look, John, at, at what he's able to accomplish over the past 12 months. That's a lot of matches and a lot of wins. And we say that sometimes tennis is about winning. Sometimes it's just getting in the work. And, yeah, his, his work, uh, you know, he, he's, he's moonlighting here, and I think we're getting the raw end of that. But if it means winning uh, main draw matches, we're, we're happy to uh, give those days to another colleague. But, no, I mean, I think you, you, talk, you talked about Hamilton. I think he's really found this nice balance, really thread this needle between, look, I can appreciate this. I need to take advantage of some of the trappings that come with suddenly being this emerging star. 
And yet I also need to, to keep this in perspective. So it's much different than what we see a, a teenager breakthrough when it's also fresh and new. I mean, I think there's a real adult approach to this, but also good for Chris. He's taking advantage of some of these new opportunities. Yeah, talking about a, an adult approach, he bought a house. You got mortgage Ooh. payments. You got to get that served on. You got to come in. You got to attack. You got to play from your uh, to your strengths. I think that's what Chris Eubanks is doing now. And I think he found a belief in his game. And it's difficult to get that. There's no formula. You know, you only can get it through playing and in real time and finding matches where things can click and you can build on that. And I think that's been a big part of the key. I mean, I remember having having dinner with him yeah. and saying, you know, why can't you play that yeah. style on whatever surface? Um, you know, he's talked to other players. We heard uh, uh, Kim Kleister's, you know, conversations he's had with her and, you know, great players that are telling you this. You got to start to believe at some point, plus all of the analyses, the analysis he's been doing. It's been interesting to see and hear how his mind thinks, and I think he's bringing some of that to his tennis as well. It's not easy to marry those two together during your career, but I think he's got the perfect formula right now, and hopefully he can keep it going. You love when good things happen to good people. Absolutely. I mean, he treated us to dinner when he was outside the top 150. Yeah. And now he's like, take us on a trip or something. Get us on that private jet, right? Uh, first round match, he's got Kwon Soon Woo. They played a five-setter in Australia earlier this year. Big Banks won that one. What do you expect? I think it's going to be, again, a tough match. I mean, it's a tough matchup. You know, the great thing about Chris Eubanks, I think the genesis of his success is all about coming to terms with who he is as a tennis player. And, and I got to speak a little bit with him about it um, with Ruan, his coach in, in Cincinnati. We were chatting about it, and they both seemed so clear about what he should do as a player. There, there wasn't a lot of indecision. And, and Chanda, you mentioned it. He's committed to a style of play now. He knows he's a high-risk, high-reward player, great power player, makes people very uncomfortable, and now he's living and dying by that sword. You saw the smile on his face for two weeks at Wimbledon. He was missing shots. It wasn't because he was playing the wrong way he was playing Chris Eubanks tennis and he was going to win or lose doing that and if he continues to do that he's going to get close to his ceiling and wherever that ceiling may be it's going to be exciting but I think the biggest thing is what we talked about earlier which is perspective he is a, someone who's very thoughtful he's really smart he understands what he has had to do to get to where he is on the big stage now and I think that perspective allows him some kind of freedom to go out and just play now because he really is enjoying it and for me as a a tennis fan it's fun to watch as a friend I'm really enjoying watching the journey um, it's our loss here at Tennis Channel because he's a phenomenal analyst but there's plenty of times for that um, but he is a great tennis player and a better human being 28 seed ranked 145 in the world last year at this time and by the way Big Banks will be back with us at Tennis Channel for the next gen finals in September so you will see more of Chris Eubanks here on Tennis Channel when we come back is our annual day one visit with tournament director of the U.S. Open, Stacey Allister, everything you need to know about America's Slam and more on the way. We take you up to first ball on day one of the U.S. Open. Don't forget, you can stay connected to the U.S. Open on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Join the conversation on social with hashtag U.S. Open. 
Taking a look at our featured matches today, Arthur Ashe Stadium returning women's champ Iga Sviantek first up, followed by an All-American match between last year's semifinalist Francis Tiafo and Kalamazoo winner Lerner Tien. Then the night session begins with Coco Golf and ends with the return of Novak Djokovic. Over on Louis Armstrong, it starts with two-time major champ Victoria Azarenka, plus former U.S. Open winner Sloane Stevens in action. Taylor Fritz plays Stevie Johnson. And in the night session, Milos Raonic bringing a 2-0 head-to-head record against Stefano Tsitsipas, followed by the return of our very own Caroline Wozniacki. We now have the pleasure of welcoming in our friend and U.S. Open tournament director, Stacey Allister. Good morning, Stacey. It is so great to see you. Good morning, Steve. This is uh, week two of the U.S. Open, That's day right. one of main draw. We've been uh, hanging out here at the USTA Billie Jean King National Tennis Center for six days, and uh, we had 157,000 fans come to U.S. Open Fan Week and watch the qualifying last week. The qualifying was incredible. I also heard Kids Day broke records, and the ticket sales for the actual tournament are, are, are through the roof. So tell me about the, the attendance and just kind of the fan engagement so far this year. It was crazy. Just give me context. We had 41,000 here on Saturday for Arthur Ashe Kids Day. And on Wednesday night when we did our Stars of the Open, our charity exhibition for uh, Ukrainian uh, humanitarian relief, uh, we had 35,000 on site on a Wednesday. So uh, I think Fan Week is no longer a secret. <laughs> it's arrived, and it's really been part of our strategy to make uh, the U.S. Open accessible to all because it's six days for free. And probably the best moment was watching Novak practice on Arthur Ashe. And uh, I was playing against Medvedev, and the stadium was two-thirds full. So that was super cool. And as you said, ticket sales are through the roof. 18 sessions are already sold out. So I just was texting someone, you know, they were saying, what session? I said, just go on and find a session where there are some available seats because there's not that many left. As we know, it's the biggest event in New York City all year long, Stacey. And you mentioned Novak Djokovic, three-time champ, is back. So tell me about the reaction of having him at the tournament again. Oh, it's special. Uh, special when he when he arrived. I think he is super excited to be back. And uh, without question, <clears throat> every time he walked on the court, <clears throat> there was a roar. Um, he participated in Arthur Ashe Kids Day, played with Duke Perfect, uh, which was kind of fun. And I know he's excited to uh, kick off tonight. So awesome to have Novak back. But let's talk Americans. This is the U.S. Open. Uh, we've got two American women in the top eight seeds, two American men in the top ten for the first time since 2008. So what's been the internal buzz on site about having such great Americans this year's U.S. Open? Uh, you know, when you've, when you've got 43 of them in the main draw and 30 individual in the, in the doubles, you've got, we had 80 Americans uh, here uh, competing so there's a good buzz, and we have this Stars and Stripes program that we uh, try to make it a little extra special for our Americans. We created a commemorative gift to uh, celebrate the 50 years of equal prize money. We call it the talking box. Uh, if you go online, you can see it. It's a message. It's a message from Billy to bump up our Americans, and so uh, that's been fun. And just great camaraderie. You can really feel this uh, U.S. team culture. It's fun. 
Stacy, for me, there is nothing more electric than a night session at the U.S. Open, 20,000-plus, just going crazy, and it could go till 2 a.m. Now, some players, Iga Fiontech, have been outspoken about not wanting matches to go super late. So what went into the decision-making process about the night sessions this year? Well, we looked at uh, the complete reevaluation of the night session, and I wish there was a you know, silver bullet. We've got to balance out certainly the health of the athletes. It's great at a slam that there is a day off, so there's recovery. And we, we, if we do have an athlete that plays late, we're certainly looking at putting them and giving them as much rest uh, on that 36 hours and plus later. You need to uh, balance out our broadcast partners uh, and fans. You know, if we could get New Yorkers to come earlier, uh, we could start at six. But sometimes, as you know, the day session goes long. And it's pretty tough for them to get here for before 7. And, of course, with ESPN, uh, 7 is the time to start. So, honestly, we, we're mindful that the athlete's health is, is what we're really focused on. If we have one of those late, late, late matches, then, of course, uh, our referee makes sure that they get enough rest uh, to come back on the, the, the next day after. Well, it's going to be a special night session on Arthur Ashe tonight. We got Coco Golf. We got Novak Djokovic. <laughs> Cannot wait for first ball, Stacy. Thank you so much for your time today, and have a great tournament. Thank you, Steve. All right. Once we talk to Stacy, the U.S. Open can begin. We are so close to first ball here. Back with more TC Live after this. Welcome back to TC Live. A reminder, the tennis shop powered by Tennis Point is the new online store featuring the latest apparel and equipment. So scan this QR code on your screen or visit TennisShop.com today to search a wide selection of brands and get the very same gear as your favorite pros. That's always fun. The last lead-up events to the U.S. Open finished on Saturday in Cleveland, Shanda. Lucky loser, Sarah Cerebes Tormo, needed a big comeback against Ekaterina Alexandrova. Yeah, and it was all about the battle for Cerebes Tormo all week long. But Alexandrova got off to a quick start. She was hitting big from the ground. The backhand is her big weapon. But here, things started to turn. Alexandrova up a set, still up 4-3, and kind of self-destructed there. It was curious that her reaction was so negative she would not win another game in the second set. So Rives Tormo just feeding off of positive energy on her side of the court. And when you lose before getting into the tournament and getting a second chance, Steve, sometimes you play some inspired tennis. And she was making right moves at the right time and at four all in the third, able to capitalize. Championship point here. Kept defending beautifully, got the miss from Alexandrova, and what a week, what a win for Sarah Cerebes-Tormo. How about this, Chanda? The third lucky loser to win a WTA title in the last five weeks. Before that, only three others did it in the past 50 years. Meantime, the men were in Winston-Salem, Paul, and Sebastian Baez on a hot streak going for his second straight title against Yuri Lehechka. Yeah, I'll tell you what, this was a war. Baez has played some great tennis, also beating George in a tough, lengthy three-setter earlier in the tournament. These guys were grinding from the back of the court. Baez, so much fun to watch. Great footwork, big, powerful groundies. Gets that first set and continues playing some good tennis. Look, Lehechka 
to me, is one of those big question marks. I think he is a terrific player, creates a lot of problems at every level of pro tennis, but can get a little tight, a couple of double faults here and there, kind of here, which gave away the match and misses a few forehands, but that's a great win for Baez. Two tournaments in a row, says our good friend Mark H. from the San Fernando Valley. I won 10 straight matches heading into the U.S. Open. That is good vibes. Well, still to come, it is all about the stars and stripes. Francis Tiafo leads off our talk about the Americans in action this week. Plus, comedian Michael Costa gets warm and fuzzy with all of your favorite pros. And the WTA held a big gala for its 50th anniversary. We will show you all the stars that shine for the Golden Jubilee. Back on TC Live, last year, Francis Tiafo became the first American man to reach the U.S. Open semi since 2006 when Andy Roddick was runner-up. He beat Rafa Nadal in the round of 16 for the biggest win of his career, and at that moment, Big Fo was no longer on the come-up. Superstar tones were made, and Big Fo one of five seeded Americans at the U.S. Open, most since 2004. Overall, we've got 15 American men in first-round action today. Taylor Fritz taking on a fellow American in Stevie Johnson. A couple of Bruin national champions there at the top with Garone and McDonald. Right. Wow. I mean, just shiny. Ben Shelton, Benny Schultz in action as well, looking for his first main draw win at the U.S. Open. Uh, a lot at stake this event as we talk about Americans in action for Francis Tiafo, John. He's taking on the Kalamazoo champ. Lerner Tien, first round. Uh, back where everything changed, though, for Francis Tiafo. So what do you expect to see from him this year? Yeah, I mean, he's very open about this. He builds his season to peak at this event. And last year it did. A little worried about the momentum. In the last two events, he lost to Stan Wawrinka and Milos Raonic. Those are um, not the kind of losses you, you expect uh, Francis to take coming in on the North American Hard course, but I, you know, I think to, to get by a young kid today, good for Le Lerner Tien. That's a real achievement. But uh, Francis is a, a different plate of player, top ten player. And then Francis, I, I can't think of an athlete, never mind tennis player, who feeds on crowd energy more positively than Francis. He's going to have a lot of crowd energy here in New York. He certainly does, and and the, the fans absolutely love Francis Tiafo. We had another American right around his career high, Mackie McDonald, cracked the top 40 for the first time earlier this month, and he's got a real big opportunity. He's taken on Felix Auger-Aliassime, who has just one win since Roland Garros. How do you see this match going? No, I think this is a great chance for Mackie McDonald, who is such a good mover around the court. Mentally, he's so tough, and I think this be a tough matchup in terms of the weapons that Oji Aliassim has, but the fact that he isn't playing quite as confident, the wheels that McDonald has, I think that's going to give Oji Aliassim some problems. And when you aren't as confident, you tend, you know, to go for a little too much. You miss a little bit more against a player who can get those extra balls back. So I think that's a real advantage in McDonald's favor. And look, let it all hang out. First round of the U.S. Open against a seed. Those are the kind of matches you want to relish. And I think he's going to look forward to that opportunity. Look, it's a, it's a great opportunity, and, and Felix has struggled a bit uh, since Roland Garros, and, and Mackey's played some great tennis. Look, Mackey's coming off uh, a terrific uh, couple of tournaments 
and this one uh, up in Canada, big win over Rublev, playing some real good tennis and feeling real confident and, and playing some of his best tennis while they're also taking out Raonic. Uh, you know, he is a terrific player, a great mover, uh, plays wonderful tennis on the hard courts. Had to, had to withdraw in uh, Cincinnati because he was ill. So we wonder how, how quickly that turned around for him. A little bit of a bug that was going around there. But uh, I think it's a great opportunity. You know, we, we saw all those matches. How about all those matches? Keep in mind, guys, all those flags, they're on the same side of the draw. That's the, unfor yeah, that's the unfortunate part of it. They're all on the same side of the draw. But still, a great showing for the Americans. It, it means if they win, though, then we're guaranteed folks ah, moving on to something. Power positive at thinking. Right? Look, I like that. Glass half full. I take, I take I after like you, Paul. I like <laughs> On the women's side, ton of Americans in action as well. More Americans than any other nation. In addition to Coco and Sloan, guess who's back? Back Jan again. Brady. Jan yeah. Brady, one of Tennis Channel's own, is back. Taylor Townsend is in. San Diego champ, Clervy Gunaway, one to watch. Former NCAA champion, Emma Navarro, near her career high. So is Kayla Day, Katie Volleynets in there as well. But let's talk about Sloan Stevens. She's got a tough first-round match against Beatrice Haddad Maya. What's the game plan for Sloan to win this one? You know, I think she's got to be ready to fight. I think she's got to be ready to battle. That is something that Haddad Maya does so well, and she wins a lot of points, a lot of matches deep into the third set. So Sloan Stevens, she's got to be ready if, in fact, that match requires it. Uh, I think she's also coming in with some confidence. She's got uh, some more wins under her belt uh, coming into to this year's U.S. Open, positive in that column. So I think that's a huge plus. And she's a U.S. Open champion. I mean, she knows how to play on these hard court sometimes you get your way into a tournament and some magic can happen again uh, so you definitely can't count her out but this is a good first round test I think that's going to come down you know to the mindset and the attitude that Sloan Stevens has. Haddad Maya one and two since Wimbledon and as you mentioned Sloan made the quarters just last week so things going in her direction. Danielle Collins looking for a little revenge today lost to Linda Fruvertova earlier this year had a great run in Canada Danielle got some big wins there, took Iga Sviantec to three sets, but then last match only won one game against her. So which Danielle Collins do you think shows up today? I think the one that has some time off. I mean, she's played a lot of tennis. Danielle Collins has made look, look at that. Who do you think she's texting uh, walking through the gates like that? <laughs> you know what she's saying? She's saying, I was only one spot out from being seated. I like playing on hard courts. You know, in Canada, she had to qualify just to get into the main draw. That is not something we're used to seeing from a player of her caliber. Who was the last American to get to the final of a major plate on hard courts? It was Danielle Collins. I think she's got a, a real chance to do a lot of damage this event. Yeah, look, I, I think she's a dangerous hard court player. She's a confidence player. She starts off well. No one wants to be on the other side of the net because she hits the ball so big, so offensively. But for Vitova, we've seen her play before, and we know how talented she is. It's going to be a battle of kind of how consistently Danielle can start the match, I think. When somebody wants revenge, I, I kind of want Danielle Collins playing for <laughs> me. You want to be in the trenches with her? Yeah, I, th I think she gets it done. We'll, we'll see what happens later today. But all the Americans looking forward to watching today at the U.S. Open. We've got our predictions ahead, plus all the top stories, big names, match breakdowns from both the men's and women's draws. It is day one of TC Live at the U.S. Open. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back on TC Live, here comes Taylor Fritz, the top-ranked American man arriving on site. Going to make his deepest run at the U.S. Open this year. Lost first round last year, taking on Stevie Johnson. Later today, a reminder to use your tennis knowledge for a chance to win 50000 bucks. Scan this QR code or go to tennis.com slash play to enter the match point predictor game. Answer questions about the action in Flushing Meadows to earn cash prizes and become eligible for that $50,000 perfect score jackpot. And hurry up. Deadline's Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Here are the questions you need to get correctly if you want to make the big bucks. Who's going to be the champ, right? Just pick the winners. Which American man woman will advance the furthest? How many unseated women will reach the quarterfinals? As we bring you back into studio, Steve and Chanda with you. Uh, Chanda, the people need your help. So at least for one of these questions, you're on your own for most of them. But how, how many unseated women are going to make in that last eight club, do you think? So if I give a little help, do I get into the pool for that 50, 50K? Sure. See, that's uh, the question I want to know. Why not? <laughs> I'll let you. Okay, so I have looked very carefully at the draw. I have broken down each quarter of the okay. women's draw. Yeah. No, actually, I'm lying. I didn't do that. You didn't do any but of it. But I'm <laughs> making up answers. I have I've looked at the draw. And I, you know, I think there's a few sections where we could possibly get some unseated players to come through. I'm going to say two. Okay. Out of the eight. Two out of the eight. Last year we had one. Okay. It was Isla Tomjanovic. But two years ago, we had two. And as you know, they, they went pretty far. Yeah, finals. All the way right. to the finals. Emma Raducanu finals. and right. Layla Fernandez. I mean, that was a dream year. And I think that gives every single player in the draw hope. And mm -hmm. certainly when you are in those sections with seeds, I think they're most dangerous in the first rounds. Uh, so, yeah, I think we'll see some upsets. And I think, you know, those are some, some good chances for players to get through. I love the opportunity for Hope Chanda, and now the people know at least one of the answers. There's going to be a couple unseated women making into the final eight. Time now for our daily warm and fuzzy segment with our friend Michael Costa. Oh, oh. <laughs> this is so random. That's great. Thanks, small kid. Thank you, Diana. Thank you. That was nice. Wasn't that nice? Yeah. I know. She's, and she's the best. I mean, what does that type of harp music make you feel? It makes you, I feel like it could be, make you feel like you want to be in love. Wow. Yeah. That is such a profound statement. <laughs> and I couldn't agree with you more. It's just this feeling that music brings makes you want to be in love. Yeah. Dare I even ask about your love life now? It's li it's lifing. It's lifing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that means it's it's trending up. Yeah, it's trending up. Okay, got yeah. it. Uh, on a much. God, I hope he doesn't <laughs> see this. It's the 
Lifing. We got a definition of that word. You can see all of Michael Koss's great work on these warm and fuzzy segments at tennischannel.com and of course, youtube.tv. Coming up next, we get you ready with the top storylines of the 2023 U.S. Open. Do not go anywhere. TC Live, a reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and much more. It is available in the App Store and Google Play Store. Time now to go inside the press room with some of the top contenders on the men's side. I wouldn't say, you know, adds a bit more the fact that I haven't played here for two years. It's just um, the feeling is, is pretty much the same. It, there's always, you know, this expectations and excitement and ambition to, to win the title. So that's pretty much the same this year. I'm not uh, focused on the defending champion, the points or, or whatever. I'm just focused on uh, so my best level, try to improve in every practice and uh, let's see how it's going to how it's gonna be the tournament. Feeling uh, Pretty well physically, mentally. Uh, Want to try to play better than I did last couple of weeks, and let's see how it's going to go. All three of those men have won the title before. Let's start with the three-time champ, Novak Djokovic, back after missing last year's tournament, looking to get to major number 24, tying Mark record. He added two more majors this year. What makes you believe he'll add another, Paul? Oh, because he's Novak. I mean, there's no uh, other way to describe what he's been able to do for so many years. And we know what he can do on a hard court. We saw what he did in Cincinnati. And uh, there's no reason it won't be more. Uh, hot take. I think he's motivated, energized, uh, invigorated by this challenge he's gotten from this 20-year-old, from Carlos Alcaraz. I think, obviously, lost the Wimbledon final. But I think, in the long run, Carlos Alcaraz is a very good development for Novak Djokovic and his motivation. He showed it eight days ago in Cincinnati. And I'm picking him like you, Paul. I think 24 is, uh, is 13 days away. Yeah, I think for most players, it'd be a disadvantage not having played here last year. For Novak Djokovic, you almost feel like makes him fresher, gives him just a little more oomph to his game. And it's unbelievable the physical shape he's been in, how he continues to be motivated to push against matchups, against players who are so much younger. And then the shirt tear. I mean, that's next level, Steve. Novak Djokovic. We've seen him do it in the past. I mean, that, that reaction after that win yeah. was something you see after he wins a major. What edge does that match, that one of the best matches we've seen all year, give him potentially as he could play Carlos once again in the final? Well, considering they played three hours and 50 minutes for three sets, if they play the final series, that could be seven and a half hours or eight <laughs> hours. Could be. I mean, the most amazing thing to me about Novak is that as great as he is, he doesn't back down from any challenges. And, and you said it, John. I, th I think the fact that Carlos is playing such great tennis is great for him. I mean, he, he's not afraid to win. He's not afraid to lose. He loves to prove himself. And with everything he's done, he really doesn't even have to prove himself. But he thrives on that. And that's why these two weeks in New York are going to be really important for him. And that's why he loves it. 
They all love it. And the returning champ is Carlos Alcaraz, and he is the youngest number one seed in U.S. Open history, Chanda. He actually says he was a better player than last year, tour leading six titles this season, including Wimbledon, where he beat Novak Djokovic. So the question is, how does he handle those expectations defending a major title for the first time in his life? I mean, we heard him in, in that interview. He seems to have the right mindset, thinking of it as a new tournament. It's not about defending. It's about playing your best tennis on this occasion in this space against these different opponents that he's going to face. And I think that's the right formula. He's got a terrific team around him. I think that helps with the experience um, as well. So you know, he's got an advantage in so many different ways apart from just the physicality of his game and how special he is on court. So you know, it'll be interesting to see how he gets things started, but he seems to be rounding into really good form. There were some questions after Wimbledon. He went back, he played on red clay, he played Hopman Cup, maybe shouldn't have done that. Was he going to be a little tired? Is that going to take a little more of a toll. I think where he is right now after that final in Cincy, I think he's got to feel pretty good getting things underway here. Sometimes we talk about the, the pressure of defending. That usually happens when the player hasn't done much since and their ranking is going to go off a cliff if they don't do well. Carlos Alcaraz will be just fine. And I think also the fact that Novak will overtake him at number one no matter what. He doesn't have to worry about that. I, I think he's in a pretty good frame of mind. I just think that Cincinnati result, I think, really could loom large. Not just the result, but the way it played out. The fact that Novak, at the end, was the superior player physically. I think that might stick in the head of Alcaraz a little bit. Yeah, I, I look, I, he said the one thing that resonates with me the most. My least favorite term in sports is defending. You know, nothing happens if he doesn't win this year. He did not going to take away last year's title. All it's about is accumulation, and I think that's what great players realize. And I think you're right about the, I really think that it was important for Novak to win in a big moment like that, to come through under pressure. I don't think there's scar tissue. I think he's too young for that. But my biggest question for Carlitos is going to be, how does it last over seven matches? I still think he started cramping a little bit at the end of the match with Novak. We saw what happened uh, in Paris. Um, he's growing. He's 20 years of age, there's a lot of stuff going on in his body with metabolism and growth and how hot is it going to be in New York and how quickly and efficiently is he going to get through matches. Talent-wise, he is off the charts to me, the most talented player on the planet. Um, so it's going to be a fun couple weeks. Also tougher half of the draw. He could face Yannick Sinner as well as Daniil Medvedev on his side. Novak Djokovic, a little bit easier, you would say. From the top seed to the top-ranked American man, that would be none other than Taylor Fritz. Big spread in Esquire magazine. Got two titles this year, but he has not, John, made it past the third round of a major this season and hasn't made it past the third round of the Open ever. Why is that going to change? This is a nice chance to salvage his season. I, look, Taylor's a realist. Uh, he knows that you make your marks at those majors. He's 4-4 four and four over his last eight matches at majors, but we know what he can do on hard courts. We know he's a good domestic player. He does well in North America and in the U.S., and I think he's, I mean, he's in Novak's quarter, so we, we have to temper expectation a little bit, but I think he definitely gets beyond the third round, which is the best he's done this year in a major. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the mindset. And New York can be a tough tournament. You know, for some players, you either like it or you don't. It can be a complete change in terms of, you know, how your routines are, how you look to, you know, go about your tennis, how do you prepare. Uh, you've got to make some adjustments. I mean, it is truly craziness. Um, but it's a great part of the year. And if you embrace it, and I think Taylor Fritz is looking to do that, I think, you know, this 
part of his career, having the last couple of seasons that he's had, really growing into playing at the top, um, you know, as the top American and at the top of the sport. I think that's what he's going to embrace, and I think that may be why it could be different this year. And he's got a good first-round match, I think a comfortable first-round match against a familiar foe, a fellow American. Uh, so I think how you start is critical in New York and work your way into the tournament. So I think that can be good for Fritz this year. Playing an American at the U.S. Open has not been good historically for Taylor Fritz. 0-3 against fellow Americans, lost to Brandon Holt first round last year. Paul, you're a part of the coaching team. For Taylor Fritz, what have you all been working on leading up to this first-round match? Well, look, I, I think the most important thing is the mental disposition for all the players, in particular for Taylor at this his national event. Um, Michael Russell's done an amazing job as a coach. He's a great coach. He understands the mental and the strategic that come into play. Um, we talked about it a lot last week. I got to spend time with Michael and, and Wolf, Wolfgang Oswald's done a great job taking care of Taylor's body. Look at how much Taylor's played this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's played a ton of matches. Um, he's ready to play. I think the fact that he didn't do spectacularly in Canada and Cincinnati is actually a blessing for Taylor Fritz. And the reason he's nine in the world right now, guys, isn't because his top level is good. The reason he's nine in the world is because his average level got better last year. Okay, so he has to trust that in a major and has to know that he can get through whatever the situation is, play within himself and trust the moment and realize, yeah, it's a U.S. Open, but there's a lot of tournaments down the road. If he can gain that perspective and free himself up and trust, he'll do just fine. It's just another major. Just another major. Just, just another chance to, to win one of these turns. By the way, Taylor and all the Americans, it's the 20-year anniversary of Andy Roddick, the last American to win a major singles title on the men's side. We'll see if one of them can get it done. We're going to break down the women's field when we come back. The summer of Coco has been heating up. Is the time now for golf's first major title? Our experts let you know when TC Live returns. including two titles. Let's go inside the press room with her and the other top women's contenders. It's been a great couple weeks for me and just trusting myself. Obviously, you know, I have the new team around me, so seeing a different perspective can sometimes just change things completely. So I think I have a new perspective and I'm enjoying it a lot. I don't know if it's, I don't feel like any more confident than other times, to be honest. Again, tennis is so week to week. I mean, I won Montreal and then I got bageled and lost. So I think I go into to looking at it as a new week. 
uh, new challenges, new things to try to improve on, new new ways to try and problem solve. That can be hard around a slam when there's a lot of excitement. So I, hopefully I can use that to my advantage. I'm happy that I had time to practice a little bit more and to uh, work on some technical stuff. But I'm really you know happy with my performance in Montreal and Cincinnati. So um, I get more like positive vibes for sure than before last year's tournament. But you know being a defending champion is not easy. So I'm kind of taking it easy and trying to do everything step by step. Let's start our discussion with Coco Goff. She's only lost three sets since Wimbledon. So playing spectacular tennis, obviously got past Iga Sviantek in Cincinnati. Shanda, do you think that singular victory was even more important than raising the trophy for her? I think it was. You know, I think that got her, um, you know, to the trophy and to have that mindset and that belief. But the, you know, the hurdle of Iga Sviantek was huge. And you look at so many draws where, you know, she was in Iga's section or they were meeting in the quarters. Um, and, and, you know, Grand Slams included Roland Garros last year in the final. This was a huge hurdle for Coco Golf during the week. And once she got over that hurdle, everything else, I think, seemed a little simpler, even though Muhova was playing some ter ter terrific tennis. She's a tricky player, but she's starting to handle these different styles. She's starting to have the mindset uh, golf is in terms of going after shots forehand and backhand. We talked about it during Cincy, where she was looking to run around backhands and hit forehands. You would have never seen uh, that in golf's game, you know, even a year ago, uh, even, you know, a few months ago. I think that Wimbledon loss, sometimes you have your lowest moments and you don't know when one of your biggest moments is going to be around the corner. That's tennis. I think it's the mindset she has of continuing to pick herself up and be positive, focus on the right things, and again, having a good team around her, adding some people to her coaching box. I think that has helped. But in a short period of time, you've got to give most of you know the, the reasons uh, for the results to the player because it was there. It just needed just maybe a little you know, push, maybe saying something in a slightly different way. And I think for golf, everything's coming together at just the right time. Yeah, I, I think one of the hardest thing for a superstar that's that young is to manage kind of plateauing. And, and as great as she is, she's plateaued a little bit. And, and so many people expected so much so quickly from her. I never thought she was playing badly. I never thought she flattened out. I thought it was part of the progression. And for Coco Golf, for me, it's never been um, – a matter of if it's just when and I think when is now I mean she's shown us this summer that she's so capable uh, to do things at the highest level and so competent and confident and we talk about her forehand forehand's fine she's gonna miss some forehands she's gonna make some she's not changing her forehand she's not gonna go to a continental forehand grip and chip and come in and do crazy she doesn't need to she can manage her game and she's such a great athlete she is such a great competitor and has so many tools a lot of her mindset and success are going to be tied together, like I said about with Taylor Fritz. I think for Coco, if she can relieve the pressure valve on herself, not what we're saying, just on herself, then she'll hold the trophy up in two weeks. Mm -hmm. She's still a teenager, but a veteran teenager, the oldest of seven teenagers on the women's they're, side. They're 50 in the, the U.S. Open. That's wild, right? Yeah. Uh, first time in two decades we had Americans sweeping Cincinnati and Canada on the women's side. So the doubles partner of Coco Guff, Jesse Pagula, took Montreal. Once again comes to New York, John, as the top-ranked American in the world. What progress have you seen from her over the past year? Yeah, 
considerable. I mean, this is sort of the, the anti-Coco. I mean, sort of the, the actuarial tables here are much different. This was a player who, until her mid-20s, was sort of lucky to win a few matches, and now all of a sudden, winning begins winning. We saw her take that Canada title in the final. But we didn't see before that, she beat Iga and she beat Coco. So not only did she win the title, but two really solid wins before that. She comes in, she's the third seed, trying to get to her first major semi. I think, in a way, she benefits from all this attention on Coco. I mean, Pagula's the high-ranked player, but Coco's higher with the oddsmakers. I think that favors Jesse. She's got a couple of tricky matches. She's got you know, Camilla Georgie, who's hot and cold right off the bat. Svitolina, who made the semis the previous major, she's lurking. But I think Jesse could really do some damage in this event. And uh, again, I mean, she's just become such a lock as a player. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the mindset, the perspective that Pagula has, that has served her well. And, you know, the, the race for her hasn't gone to the, the swiftest, hasn't gone, you know, to, you know, player bursting out of the gates early on. You know, she's had to work for it. She's had to go through injuries. She's, you know, had these different ebbs and flows over the course of her career. So not a lot seems to face her. And I think that helps her in a place like New York, certainly trying to get to her first major semifinal. I think having to have a tough first round match, a match you cannot look pass and Camilla Georgie they've had some battles um, in the past and Georgie is always dangerous especially on hard courts I think that helps Pagula it helps you relax just a little more you just got to get down and play some good tennis from the start and not think about all of the other factors surrounding especially for an American player uh, so I think that helps her and maybe this can be the year uh, where she can get over that hurdle but she's definitely got a tough part of the draw she, she was asked what's going to get you past the quarterfinal stage at a major she joked uh, winning a quarterfinal match so I mean, she's got a <laughs> Great disposition and a great attitude no, going She's into not it. wrong. No, she, she is 100% <laughs> right. Uh, both Jesse and Coco have already beaten the Igish Fiancek this summer, yet the Polish superstar once again comes in as the top seed. Most overall wins this year. Four more titles, Paul. But do you think she's a little more vulnerable this year? Look, I think one of the hardest things is uh, for a great player to manage the changes in their career. And you look at these stats and what she's done. It's been pretty spectacular. But remember how red hot she was. She was so dominant. And your question about losing a couple matches this summer, is that going to throw a damper on things for her mentally? I, I think it remains to be seen. One of the things that I'm so impressed with with Fiontech is her lack of fear in big moments. We saw it in Roland Garros when she was on the brink of losing in the finals. She doesn't back down. She really backs her game extremely well. So for her, a couple of losses shouldn't matter much, but so much is going to be about how she manages it, what her perspective is in terms of internalizing things, and her ability to trust in the big moment. Um, I, I think she's my second favorite behind Coco, but oh, there's no reason really? why she... Yeah. And now you're giving away your pick. All right. Well, I just said I just said in the last segment, in two weeks, if she does what she should do, Coco's going to win the title. But uh, that's why we're here, right? i got to give opinions. Absolutely. Okay. I like that. I like it. So you're going Coco uh, and then Iga, John. No good. Um, I think, you know, we, we talked a lot about the, the Eagle, Iga's bakery and the breadsticks and the bagels, and she wins these sets. But, you know, she wins a lot of tight sets as well. And in those matches she has won since she – remember, she inherited that number one ranking. I mean, that sort of came almost as a battlefield promotion. Then she's really run with it. And in these last 18 months, yeah, she'll win these matches 0-1, and it's too good, and we all... But she's won some gritty matches, too, and I think especially coming off last year's U.S. Open when she didn't play her best and still came away with the title, 
I think that will fire her with more confidence than the, the knowledge that she can go out there and have these amazing sets. Yeah, and I think, you know, Sviantek, she stepped into that number one role and became so dominant. I think it's helped that she's had some challengers, that she's had some players pushing right behind her. Again, for any player, it's about motivation. It's about, you know, keeping the juices going. And especially when you win so many titles, so many one-sided matches as Sviantek has done, I think you need to be pushed as well. And so maybe that helps her coming into this year's tournament. It takes a little pressure off. I mean, there's, you know, a few players at the top now that we're looking at favorites. It's not just Fiontech, and I think that's a good thing. The new tennis balls could help her as well, going from regular duty to the right. extra duty. She likes the, the spin that she's able to produce. And she won last year with regular duty tennis ball. Championship predictions coming up later on TC Live. Plus, as you see, every single morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, the four of us are with you, leading up to live coverage on ESPN at noon Eastern. More TC Live after a quick break. Chanda John Steve back on TC Live. The big fella announcing his retirement after the U.S. Open. So John Isner, the swan song, got all the kids at home in Texas. Cannot wait to see what John Isner does. Also playing doubles with Jack Sock, who announced he's done with tennis after the U.S. Open as well. And Maddie Keys playing her first match tomorrow as well. Former finalist here at the U.S. Open as all the Americans arrive on site. Now, before every day at the U.S. Open, Steve Digner will give you his three to see, previewing a trifecta of top matches. Steve does an awesome job, so check it out. Tennis.com, all tournament. Today's got Chris Eubanks, Coco Golf, and that blockbuster, Milos Raonic and Stefano Tsitsipas. You may not believe who Steve picked for that one. Yeah, I'm picking up after you, Paul. Time to enter the social net. And how about this? WTA celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. They, they had a, a big gala in New York, and, and Chanda, all the stars were out. Uh, this was such a terrific event, looking at all the pictures. I mean, we're here. We're holding the fort down, yes. so we could not attend. But terrific to see all the support, past, present, maybe some future uh, champion, WTA champion players. But terrific support and you know how outstanding 50 years of the WTA and still going strong. Always great to see Tracy. <laughs> Tracy looked great. Uh, Coco Goff gave an amazing Petco. speech as well. Our own uh, Petco and then uh, it's the Golden Jubilee and Coco dressed the part. Bianca Andreescu, sad that she's not playing in the U.S. I, heard, I have to say, yeah. Coco looked gorgeous. I love that look. Talk about looking gorgeous. Yeah. Look at the guy on the end here. Yeah, I mean, yes. it's not a party. It's a star. Gosh, look at that. <laughs> what color is that suit? What I want that suit. Orange. PJ. There's the legend right there. Pops was there. There's the legend. He's in his element. Prakash Taste is the so tennis, good. At these, great job. These events. You could get so exhausted going from event to event. In the week I get exhausted just watching. Exactly. Venus <laughs> was at this one as well. Penny, Judy, Lerner. They always put on they great events. City Taste of job. Tennis. Penny and Judy do an awesome job. Uh, the newly enhanced USOpenShop.org is the official shop for 2023 US Open merchandise. Get US Open gear for the whole family. Check out a variety of one-of-a-kind accessories as well. Visit USOpenShop.org today when we come back. Predictions. Who's going to win this thing? We'll let you know.
TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. Welcome back. We always love people, stars in the stands. Tennis Channel had its 20th anniversary party. Of course, Paul Wesley and Ian Summerhalder were there of Vampire Diaries fame. We got the Brothers Bourbon. Prakash was there as well, by the way, John. I'm sure he was. Uh, Vampire Weekend, Vampire Diaries. Uh, 20 years, Tennis Channel. Bravo. Happy birthday, guys. Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. And we mentioned Big Banks went to see Hamilton. So did Alicia Parks and Beatrice Haddad Maya Chanda. Yeah, I love this. You know, a little crossover. I still have not seen Hamilton. Oh, really? I need to get there. I'm jealous Neither right by. now. Neither of this picture. Neither of I'm waiting for my tickets. Yeah. Thanks for me love tickets. Lynn Manuel Miranda there on the left. Big Creator, fan. composer. Big tennis fan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He knows his ball. He'll probably be one of the stars actually in the stands. Net rusher, baseliner, what do we know about his game? He's got to be moving forward, right? I think so. I don't know. Uh, Look at stars have, and stripes. Uh, I don't think we got the music. Yeah, where's our music? Um, <laughs> no, we have a drinking game here where every time Andy Roddick in 2003 has mentioned Paul Anacone has to drink. Um, but look here, we, we talk about the American I'm presence game. in this event. Uh, Andy Roddick, 20 years since he won the title. Did you hear that? Um, but here, look at this. We've got uh, five American seeds, including two in the top ten with Taylor and Francis. That is the most in 19 years. So there are a lot of Americans in the draw, but it is not just a numbers game. It is a quality game as well. Good one, Jay. Yeah, we're using like that. it. We yeah. have, that's we got, not an earth shattering. We've got, got some good layers, though. Exactly. Good no, layers. A lot of young talent on that screen and more that were not on that screen as well. So yeah. good signs. And I like the variety of styles a little yep. bit. You know, when you throw in and you know, Eubanks coming in. And How about pathways pathways as well? college, Absolutely. turn pro when you're younger, do better when Kalamazoo. you're older. Yeah, we got everything. There's no right way. Right. I like also that we, we had Roddick down there, plus we had Vince Spadia, plus we had Andre Agassi. <laughs> I mean, like. Marty Fish, we, we, had, we had a little, a lot of generations too uh, in 2004. <laughs> Keeping count. Keep count. <laughs> well, we know your favorite drink. All right, it is prediction time. We have been waiting all tournament long and all day long for this. So, uh, Paul, men's and women's champ, who do you have? Well, I went uh, as a really bad tease because I said it early in right. the show, right? For one of them. Coco Golf. Yeah. Coco's going to win all things uh, going the way they should be going. And Daniel Medvedev is going to return to the winner's Ooh. circle, guys. Whoa. Don't sleep on Daniel Medvedev and my man Gil Cervara. Do not sleep on those guys. Medi Bear. Okay. Hey, how are we going to get that if we have an Alcaraz Djokovic final? Exactly. I ruined the all the party pooper. It's already okay. been ordained. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, don't you feel like Djokovic Alcaraz, they're, they're like the two candidates for the job that are internal candidates. And yeah, we got to open this up and have this search for 126 <laughs> other players. But we all know who's going to get it in the end. Never uh, know. That's why they're the balls out the, uh, Wow, that is an inspired pick. We have not heard Medvedev dancing uh, around. I'm just saying, here. guys. He's one of the betting fans. Oh, I don't know. He's, he's won this event. He's yeah. been number one. It's not crazy. But, um, yeah, I don't know. On the one side, I'm, I'm not picking either top seed. How's that for intrepid? But, um, don't pretend like you're going I'm out on a limb. I'm thinking Novak. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's Novak time. <laughs> well, you're going way out on I'm not <laughs> picking either top seat. No, that's I'm how bold go that is. That's factual. That's factual. Boy, that's gutsy. Way to go, um, I, You know, someone talked me off this. I think 
Cocoa Time. And usually we're a little skeptical of momentum. I think momentum sometimes is a bit overrated in tennis, but uh, boy, all of a sudden. Don't hear about that janky forehand too much these last few weeks, have we? We've got two Cocos, we've got a Joker, and we've got got a Medvedev. What do you have, Chanda? I'm going to go with Djokovic. All right. Okay. I mean, the, it's such a boring oh, pick. I was trying to be guys. excited. You know, no Paul guts. just upped the ante with the Medvedev pick no out of the guts. blue, but oh, I'm going to go Djokovic. Yeah, knows what she's talking about. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I think this could be Coco's time. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to take a little pressure off of Coco, though. Right. And if it's not Coco, what about Owen Chabur? I mean, Ooh. how Ooh, there's nice would that favorite. be to see her finally get over the finish line? Like, so I'm throwing a curveball. To the guys who are doing our craft. I like that you brought up Oz because yeah. happy birthday, Oz. Today yeah. is Oz Jabur's birthday. Hope you're watching the show. We love you. And she just pick one. you to win the whole thing. Andy Roddick probably picking Oz Jabur as well. Really pulling for Oz to win that first major title. Uh, I'm with you, John. I'm going. No, I coach Coco Golf. Good. All right. <laughs> you can find down. the four of us oh. <laughs> every day, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on Tennis Channel. Your only pregame show for the U.S. Open for Chanda, Paul, John, and our entire team. I'm Steve Weissman. Thanks for watching TC Live. We'll see you tomorrow morning.